Hey everyone, welcome to Horrorsperia. My name is May and I am so stoked because today we have a special episode. It was inspired by our special guests today. I will go ahead and introduce them first. This is Jazz Echevaria. Tell the people, what do you what do you do? What what's your what's your deal? <laughs> What do I do? I love that question. Um, so I'm an actor, aspiring filmmaker. I've only made one short film back in 2020, which is, it is what it is. Nine to five, I'm actually an editor freelance. And I'm helping out on a couple documentaries right now that are in post. In the future, I would like to do more acting, directing, yeah. hopefully writing. I'm trying to write something right now, but I mean, that's difficult. So, you know, film person, lover of film, you know, trying yeah. to make that space. <laughs> yeah, same, same. Whenever I have to articulate, I'm like, I do, you know, stuff in the film. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jazz, my perception of you, because I think we just met on like social media and I was mm -hmm. like, damn, this person is so fucking cool um I I always just thought of you as like like a filmmaker like like this media artist and so um and so I think that that's really exciting um I, I think it's really interesting that you said actor first um I think that that's really cool yeah I don't know I'm just like you know because the this current thing I'm working on I'm like it's my first time like acting in something where like the production felt like super legit Oh, wow. Nice. So I was like, maybe let me like start off with that. Like, I don't tell people that enough, but I do act. So, <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah. Embrace it all. Like, we don't have to be one thing. Um, but I mean, the whole reason why we decided to do werewolves or rather you decided because I was like, yeah, you choose it. And I was so excited in a way because I personally, the only werewolf film I had seen, well, I'd seen it, it's like Ginger Snaps, which is definitely one of my favorite films. Um, mm -hmm. But then other than that, it was like Good Manners. And that was it. So um, it gave me an excuse to be like, OK, let me go research this thing, because I guess like my perception of werewolf films is like I don't get them. <laughs> uh, so it was, it was nice to go on this. But why werewolves? Why did we decide on werewolves? Do you mind explaining why? Yeah. Um, so. This production that I'm in, it's um, a short film. Hopefully it turns into a series if it does well and we get money. <laughs> but it's this production called The Wolf Among Us, created by a friend of mine named Brandon Towns, written by him and then Brie Garrett and Kamari Sire. And basically it's this satirical look at Black love and Black sex and, you know, the modern age and the premise of it basically it's you know three friends that work together in this pizza shop like a pizza hut or some shit like that <laughs> and new person starts working there hits it off with one of our main characters Nala you know they go on a date one thing leads to another you know how they usually do sometimes <laughs> and yeah and all it gets scratches and turns into a werewolf. So I think that's like as much as I could give away right now. I would say it's more of a comedy, but because of the werewolves and my character, I'm actually not a werewolf, I'm a witch, but because oh, of the elements, I guess it makes it horror. I watched enough movies about witches, but I thinking about it, I just never really watched any werewolf movies. 
I've seen ginger snaps and good manners, like you said, which I actually heard of through this podcast. Um, <laughs> and they're both great movies. Um, but other than that, I didn't really know of any good werewolf movies. Um, yeah. American Werewolf in London, which is like the main one. Um, I actually hadn't was- seen it until now. It's Same. been one of those films. Oh, okay, nice. <laughs> yeah, it was like one of those movies where it's like, yeah, I, I know about it, things. but it's like on the list yeah. of all the other shit that I told exactly. myself to watch. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, no, yeah, I love that. First off, I mean, the series that it sounds like you're going to, well, that you've been working on sounds amazing. It sounds like something that I would actually want to watch. Um, one thing about like werewolf films overall that I have an issue with is that, and especially the films that, Um, I ended up choosing the film list mainly because uh, when we went out to do research on this, I found a book called Phases of the Moon written by Craig Ian Mann. It's really in depth, this like book on werewolf films. I feel like up until that point in history, he had pretty much watched every werewolf film, which good for him. One thing that I think is funny that you said is that you were like, yeah, I guess it's a, you know, it's more of like a comedy, but it's a horror because of the werewolf and the witch thing, which on this podcast anyway. You know, it's all about like tropes, right? How are tropes used? And mm-hmm. the werewolf is obviously a trope. But um, I just think inherently every werewolf film is a comedy film. It's very hard for me <laughs> to take it serious. Even things like um, like Good Manners is probably the most serious. And even Good Manners has like musical breaks. And that's mm-hmm. awesome. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, so um. Yeah, I just, it's been so hard for me to like want to take werewolves seriously. And I'm not too sure that this, um, this venture that we did made me do that. But like what you just described though, like, like, um, the series that is also meditation on like black love and, and all of these other things, like that's interesting to me. And even like, uh, good manners and uh, and ginger snaps. The most interesting aspects of those films for me are, are like the femininity and and the the um, dichotomy of race and good manners. Um, so I, I always feel like it's a very um, masculine, very Eurocentric, very American centric genre. And I think it's what's always made me be like, yeah, I don't really feel it. <laughs> I don't know. No, that's real. Yeah. I never even thought about it like that (laughs) until now. Um, But yeah. And like thinking about it, like growing up, I can't even think of any films in particular about werewolves that I can like really pinpoint. Like um, I remember hearing about like Underworld because like my mom. Oh, right. Um, I forgot that's like a thing. Yeah. I mean, it was like that era, right? It was like Blade. It was like Underworld. It was like Resident Evil. It was like these action slash horror films. Like, you know, like Blade's good. But mm-hmm. I, and I know that there are people that love Underworld and and, um, and Resident Evil, but it, I just I never really cared for that genre either. I haven't seen any of those movies either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. It just it wasn't it wasn't my vibe. But um yeah, but yeah so it, it's it's really it's really fun then actually that like you know, we decided to investigate here. Um, so yeah, so that, that's where the inspiration came from. I wanted uh, you know, you brought up the idea and I thought that was really cool, especially, you know, you to to tie back to your own art. Do you know when the series or or when the short or series is gonna drop? Um I don't know. So okay, we haven't 
even started filming. We actually start filming like in two weeks. Oh, and amazing. In Chicago? Yes. Awesome. And I'm very, <laughs> I'm very excited. And it's just like, I've been, I've known about it for like over a year now, but now like, it feels like, oh my God, like it's getting real. So now I'm kind yeah. of like nervous, like what's going to happen? <laughs> amazing. No, that's great. Um, what is February like in Chicago? Like the weather? Um, cold. <laughs> um, <laughs> it like didn't really start snowing till like the beginning of January, I want to say. So I, it's just trash from here on out. <laughs> oh no. Well, I wish you warm days. Um, <laughs> and I'm really excited for that to come out. Uh, you're definitely going to promote it, right? Yes. Okay, definitely. cool. All right. So we'll definitely help promote that. Cause that does sound like, you know, the, the meditations that I, or like the, the genre, the way that I hope that werewolves do change, even though, um, Reading more into, uh, you know, like werewolf film history, I guess I could see like, um, I mean, first off, the the list that I chose was very cherry picked. Like I said, there were like 500 films listed in this book. And I was like, well, this one seems interesting in this chapter and this one seems interesting in this chapter. Um, so I know that there uh, is probably like a black exploitation film on werewolves and whatnot, but um. But this whole idea of the werewolf, well, I guess maybe actually before I get into it, what has been your perception of like what the werewolf is supposed to mean? Like, did you have any preconceived notion before? About what the werewolf is supposed to be? Or just like, like, like werewolves, like in horror, like why, why werewolves? Like what, what is it metaphorical for? Or did you, or like anything like that? Um, Honestly, not really. I just kind of saw it as like some like, you know, monster, like beast type thing. And like, again, like I couldn't really even think of like anything notable, like growing up that I've seen like in film or media. Totally. Um, other than like, I don't know, like shitty stuff. Like, no, <laughs> like <no>. saga. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, no, no. I mean, more or less same because what I was going to say is like at best what I was familiar with was the idea of the beast within right and like mm -hmm. what does that mean right and so um I, I so the the book that I was reading through which is I guess the lens that helped me read some of these films uh it was really interested in looking at the circumstances of transformation for each film um the effect on the individual because of their werewolf condition how much humanity remains once they're transformed or going through it and whether the werewolfism is like a blessing or a curse and i think it's actually interesting in the films that we chose um which we'll go through them in a bit um how that sort of changes especially when it when it, it kind of changes per gender as well as um per per like historical era so to speak um so so yeah but but like yeah this idea of the beast within which actually the idea of the beast within is rather recent it comes from like 19th century literature even though the idea of the werewolf myth has been around for like years and years and years and years i mean do you have any like werewolf myth like from from we're both Puerto Rican, which is awesome. But like, do you remember any stories like growing, like anything was told to you? Um, specifically about werewolves? No. Um, the closest thing would be like chupacabras. But that's what I was going to say. Like, like, yeah. I think um, I don't ever remember like 
seen a, what a, like a drawn picture of a chupacabra but every single time it was described to me I was like oh so it's like a like a jungle werewolf yeah um but I'm not sure if that's a bit but yeah so like different myths like that have existed but the idea of like there lies this beast within really came from like 19th century literature um and so really I guess like the question then to think about when we look at these films or I think a good question to bring up is like what is the beast without like what are the cultural circumstances of each of these films and I think that that's an interesting question to look at especially when one thing that I found somewhat surprising and and I don't know if you'll agree with me is that like the mythology was pretty consistent like throughout I was like oh it's like it's very like there's a pentagram and it has to be Mm -hmm. a full moon and and all of these things yeah especially like in the first two or three movies it was just like damn near the same (laughs) yeah 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 it felt like a like a retread uh so so yeah so I guess uh we'll we'll get into it so the films that we looked at is um pretty much the quintessential uh werewolf film which is the wolfman from 1941 um not the first werewolf film but the first um one of the first American werewolf films and one of the iconic um the one that started like a five film legacy with the wolfman and Lon Chaney um who was more attractive than I thought I was (laughs) like oh he's not he's like like he's actually kind of cute I guess um (laughs) and then we also did I was a teenage werewolf from 1957 we did uh the werewolf of Washington from 1973 an American werewolf in London as you said from 1980 something Mm -hmm. and uh bad moon from 1993 or 95 I think that was and then two more recent entries with when animals die or no when when animals dream uh from 2014 that one is from Denmark the rest of the films that we just mentioned are from America and then we end on a Canadian film actually bloodthirsty um uh from Canada uh and also a bit of a queer film I guess yeah (laughs) um yeah, but uh, so, so I guess like I, we don't necessarily have to section it off. It would actually be interesting to just to sort of see where the conversation goes. But um, but I guess one thing and I'll reiterate this is that I felt like there was such little experimentation with the trope oftentimes and, and especially like where I where I would like to see werewolf films goes like, yeah, I want to see like, uh, you know, black, uh, uh, the you know, black werewolf films. I want to see, um, you know, especially like it's such a gendered trope I feel like there are definitely female werewolves but I mean like why does it need to be a gender attached to it you know it's, it's a creature in and of itself like it doesn't really seem to abide by notions of of what we perceive as like human social concepts of gender and whatnot um yeah what were some maybe some of your like maybe initial thoughts after you finished watching all of these films, like, did you feel like you appreciated werewolves more or? It was just like, <laughs> um, not that I like, not that I was not excited for this, but it was just like, once I was done with the movies, it was like, okay, <laughs> we're done. <laughs> same, no, same, same. I felt bad. I think I kept texting yeah. like, I'm sorry, I didn't realize <laughs> these films were going to be like this. Um, I really like walked into this with an open mind. And even the early films, I was almost more excited for the early films. I was like, oh, these are 
these are going to be classic and whatnot. And I think in retrospect, the Wolfman is probably, I'm like, okay, but maybe because like the, the Wolfman is what's repeated in the rest of them. Right. <laughs> um, so I guess we can first, first start talking about the Wolfman, which the Wolfman uh, came out in 1941. So um, already it was very much like tied into this like wartime, it, you know, it came out during the war. And that was very much the inspiration for the, the film in and of itself. It was written by this uh, German Jew, actually. His name is Kurt, Kurt Siebnack. And he fled, the, he had experienced some of the Holocaust, um, but then fled to America and wrote um, The Wolfman, uh, which there's like, like I said, there's like five films of these. He dies at the end of the first one, but apparently in the sequel, he's revived and so on and so forth. Um, so a lot of like wartime anxieties. It's also like a weird film that is like set in Europe, but the Europe is like very, it's like an amalgamation. And that like supposedly persists through the sequels. It's like this, oh, now we're in Germany. Now we're in this. So like this idea of, um, the war being a metaphor for werewolfism is, is very prevalent. And, um, and supposedly like Hitler was also a huge fan of wolves. So it's like this whole symbolic thing. But um, aside from that, like what were some of your thoughts on the Wolfman? Um, yeah. So after watching the Wolfman, I just kind of felt like, you know, universal monster movie I, this is kind of what i expected <laughs> okay nice nice um, yeah i almost wanted more drama i was like okay it yeah. felt like it happened in like three hours like the whole movie happened in three hours but it was told in 60 minutes <laughs> yeah it was very short um very short and then even like the main character what was his name larry it was just yeah. like, dude, none of this would have happened if you weren't being such a fucking creep. Like, leave the girl alone. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. And and she was like, she didn't want to. And then we find out that she's like engaged. And then like there's this whole slut shaming plot line where she's like, oh, why why'd they step out <laughs> together? Mm -hmm. um, which was definitely interesting, I guess. Yeah. And it was like at one point she said, like, let's run away together. And but then like her fiance was back towards the end when, right. like, you know, shit hit the fan. OK, one thing that I will say is I what I tried to do is I tried not to like read too deeply into a lot of these films. I'm like, OK, I really want to see what these films have to say at their forefront and and some of the films like I would say I was a teenage werewolf and the werewolf of Washington I'm like oh okay I get what where this is what this is trying to say about this specific moment in time but with the wolfman it, it felt very um ambiguous almost like after the fact I could see a lot of the wartime connections um but Overall, what I kept thinking about more so was knowing that the production code was in effect at this time and knowing that they couldn't because the universal monster movies that I'm used to are actually the pre-code films. Um, so I'm used to like the Invisible Man where he like throws the baby off a bridge and uh, and freaks and like um, and, and Dracula and Frankenstein where again, they throw a baby into a lake, a lot of baby killings yeah. in these movies. Um, but this movie felt like it almost felt like a, a romantic drama. Yeah. Yeah. 
And and it was all like about the perils of being a pervert. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um, I didn't even think about it that way before too. But I was like, I mean, sure. (laughs) A lot of talking. Yeah, no, a lot, a lot, a lot of talking, a lot of flirting. Then of course we we have the racist depiction of Pelo Lugosi. Originally, that's the werewolf, right? And and bites him. But we do get, as you say, like a lot of the codes that repeat. In the rest of these films which like we have the pentagram right mm-hmm. the full moon one thing i was surprised with especially because i guess since i was more used to good manners and and ginger snaps is that like none of these people remember their time as being a werewolf yeah yeah that surprised me somewhat i was like oh you just black out i guess because in ginger snaps that doesn't happen she's very much aware right what she's doing um yeah yeah totally so I mean would you well I guess maybe this is an at-large question maybe first like do you think that you liked any of the films that we watched um let's see because like I started off with the wolfman I was like all right cool cool (laughs) and then it was (laughs) was like like, okay after that, like, I'm gonna be honest, like, I was a teenage werewolf, werewolf of Washington. Oh my God. <laughs> I was just like, oh my God. The hard food scene killed me. I was like, what the fuck? It's so badly edited, too. She's just like hitting against the wall. And I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like, I'm not gonna lie, it was a little hard to get through, but you know, like, American werewolf in London, I got there and I was like, all right, you know. This is, I think, considered, you know, a classic. Um, I remember a story my mom telling me about, like, sneaking into the theater to go see it around the time it came out. Um, And so I was like, got to see it for myself. And then, of course, it's directed by John Landis and, like, Thriller. So, yeah, that was like, once I got there, I was like, okay, like, I'm really excited to watch this. And I think that may have been one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. A lot. I really wanted to like an American werewolf in London, and I gotta say, okay, one thing that I I also want to say about these films, um, like the Wolfman. Obviously, we need to appreciate the amount of of because that alone in and of itself, what we saw it took like eight hours back then. But one, I think one of the things that always takes me out about werewolf films, um. It's just that it looks so bad most of the time. But damn, I I still think an American werewolf in London, even compared to the recent ones that we saw after that, I was so impressed by the makeup in that film. I'm not sure if I really like the film itself. Um, I think maybe it's just one of those things that you had to watch when you were young. Um, But as an, I was just like, uh, I don't really see the magic here. But um. But the makeup was so cool. And almost not even the werewolf makeup, the, the zombie makeup was amazing. Ooh, yeah. It was just wild because it was like, after that movie, I'm thinking, you know, all these other movies came out later. So we're going to get some really cool transformations because before watching American Werewolf, <laughs> everything was just kind of like a time lapse. Yeah. Oh, my God. Some of the time. Oh, my God. The werewolf of Washington time lapse killed me. <laughs> it looked cheaper than the one for the wolf man. And I was like, damn, OK. <laughs> that was definitely my least favorite movie of 
all of them on this list. The interesting thing about the Werewolf of Washington is it was made during the Watergate investigations. Like it wasn't made at the end of it. It wasn't even like Nixon was still president when that movie came out and he resigned a year later. And I was like, that's probably the most interesting thing about the film. Otherwise, like it's it, the, the metaphor is so heavy handed. I mean, granted, you know, it came out in an exploitation era where I think like films weren't supposed to have that much finesse and you can tell but yeah it's definitely one of those things where it's like I like the idea of this a lot more than I like watching it (laughs) yeah for sure and I just felt like even like in that movie like with the president where it's like oh we see the pentagram it's communist or it was just totally his racist ass like talking to the panthers like oh it was them oh my god I I was just like this feels like too like I just kept rolling my eyes. I was just like, yeah. This, was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, no, totally, totally. And and then the, this is again where I even think about like criticism. That's why like the, this book again, I I, I majorly respect uh, the work that this man did. But even like look watching the films and then looking back on his interpretations, I'm like, this the the criticism or or like the the scholarship of werewolfism is just very through a pers- through a very specific perspective, and I feel like it's not challenged in any way like okay yeah this is a werewolf canon but it's also so ignorant of so many other um perspectives and that's really what I felt with a lot of these films it just felt so like I could predict by bad moon like exactly how the plot was gonna go and it was just Mm -hmm. um very nuclear family very white very um just boring to be frank yeah I did some research on that one and apparently it was, or the movie was based on a book called Thor, which was written in the perspective of the dog. Oh, that is, I would, I now want to watch the, or read the book. I would love to read that book. Thor was the effing um, star. Stole the show. Stole the show. show. Oh my god! Then he's like thrown into the ceiling, and everything's like okay with him. (laughs) I'm just glad he survived because there were like seven different parts of that movie where I'm like, "Great, you're gonna kill off the best part of the film." I I really thought that dog was gonna die. (laughs) Totally. Um. So I guess to transition just a little bit, or or to touch more deeply, um, you know, after. The Wolfman, we did, I was a teenage werewolf um, from 1957, which like, as soon as you like watch this movie, you're like, oh, okay. Youth culture, 1950s, James Dean, delinquency, rock and roll. It's like, it's very, very much on the nose. And it also stars a young Michael Landon, which fun fact. Um, well, first off, if you're not familiar with Michael Landon, he was um, the the male lead in Little House on the Prairie, but for purposes that is more relevant for this podcast he's the father of christopher landon who's uh directed a bunch of movies that we like like paranormal activity the the marked ones and freaky and happy death day so um technically a horror icon there um so yeah what what did you think about i was a teenage werewolf yeah so i was a teenage werewolf. like you said this came out around the time where it's like 50s james dean era so watching it at the beginning i was thinking all right so they're trying to do like this james thing type thing but make it like totally i guess you know yeah um but i will say i was expecting like 
how the main character like turns to be totally different like this idea about him like going to this doctor yeah and i'm not i'm not even sure what he like what even been, would you call like what was going on there like some sort of therapy or something he was getting yeah. of like yeah. medication yeah 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 this this movie seemed like the poster child of fuck therapy fuck psychiatrists mm-hmm. just uh, but I, I, at the but like the really interesting thing about this movie is I felt like I I didn't know what it was trying to demonize other than like everything yeah <laughs> everything seemed at fault because it was it seemed like it was like his fault like entirely just because his friends weren't turning into werewolves um we don't get like we we never understand why he becomes a werewolf right like um, it's just like he's a werewolf he started turning like after like his appointments with the doctor so he was taking oh, right, some right. Sort of, like some doses of like exactly some and then it was like the more he kept going back like the more he started to turn and there was like yeah. this weird like monologue where the doctor was talking about like we need to go back to how it was like at the beginning yeah. of the time. I'm like, monkeys, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that was like, for me, the confusing part, because it just like, obviously I got this like anti-science bent or like it can't be fixed with science or whatever, but I was like, okay, but like, where did it come from? Because like he was a delinquent before that. And that's why they chose him. But like what I <laughs> very nebulous. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I guess definitely it, it would definitely, as you said, it felt like someone was in a boardroom and was like, you know, James Dean, but Michael Landon and werewolf, but no therapy. And <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah, it was really hard to like, honestly, follow like what was going on. Like, I understood what was happening, but it was just like, what was the point like what are you trying to say yeah um, and I mean to be fair I it, this is definitely a film where I could be like okay I can see like that the point was make a werewolf film that appeals to rock and roll culture because that's just truly you know like this is the 1950s was the decade where we see for the first time that teenagers uh have disposable income teenagers are shaping culture and we I can definitely see how this film is a product of that and actually this would be the last American werewolf film until the early 70s so there was like this um big pause between American werewolf films um but it was really uh it, it did like it was like a big hit at the time like it would do it it, it it did its rounds on like well a big hit in the sense that it did like its rounds on b-horror uh film mark uh film circuits and um and I mean I, I just feel like a large reason because of that and I guess it goes back to the question that I wanted to investigate is like instead of it being the beast within which I definitely feel like um the wolfman establishes that I mean obviously the wolfman's like the peak film this one definitely feels like okay this is a beast without thing where it's like it couldn't have been made anytime except 1957 but the messaging is still just like very very weird especially in a modern age if I think of anything I'll let you know but like I don't know what was the message to that at all yeah, other than it needed to be a, a cheap teen movie, which then like leads into almost like the werewolf of Washington. It's almost like these two films 
sing together both are very incomplete and and both are both obviously belong to like this subpar b horror economy but like the thing with i was a teenage werewolf is i felt like the coding was i guess very fluent or fluid and then the werewolf of washington just felt like this adaptation that could never fully reach the heights of the absurdity it was trying to to embody because it was just so um a lot of screaming in both of these <laughs> movies a lot <laughs> like oh my god i don't think i've ever heard like it just felt like I, each of the lead actors was just like yelling all the time at everyone <laughs> like i'm a monster leave me alone <laughs> But that's like one of the things that happens to werewolves or people turning into werewolves, right? They start acting like, you know, is feral the right word? You know, no, they yeah, like totally. present it. A lot of people like as like having anger issues. Yeah, uh, actually. Moody. Yeah, yeah. That actually brings about um, an American werewolf in London in an interesting way, because then we get to an American werewolf in London. Werewolves are having a bit of a comeback. Um, and this oftentimes is considered like the werewolf film, right? As, as we mm-hmm. said. Um, but when we actually read the film, which is where I had my issues with it, it's sort of like, okay, so he would rather be psychotic than be a werewolf? Or I don't like, like, what are we supposed to read here? Were you able to, like, how did you receive an American werewolf in London? So when I was watching this one, I, I think it had like a bit more like comedic elements oh, than totally. I was expecting. But I guess, I mean, John Landis is like, you know, coming to America and right. all, all that. So I guess it makes sense. Um, and like, actually to, to pause right there really briefly, he even said that he wrote the script in 1969, but okay. couldn't find funding until the early 80s because people thought it was either too scary to be funny or too funny to be scary. Is that because like, because his name is on it? Or? It was just the script in and of itself. Like he could oh. like, yeah, because he was just shopping around the script and they were like, well, is this a comedy or horror? And he's like, I mean, isn't it both? And they were like, but it's too, and then that's where he gave the the, the line. And I was like, okay. I mean, I could, I could see it for back then um, mm-hmm. for sure. But I think, as you said, maybe I think this is one of the more successful films because of that embracing of comedy. Because yeah. the rest of these films, sort of end up being unintentional comedies especially actually the last two I was more surprised I was like I think these are supposed to be more serious but I almost feel like they're worse than the other ones <laughs> but we'll get there um yeah but in an American werewolf in London if we if we actually try to read the metaphor through and the reactions to the metaphor and how he handles them it's also the first film where um it follows a bit of the lore in the beginning where they're at the pub um, they see the pentagram. They're like, oh, full moon, blah, blah, blah. But um, what happens instead is that his his victims haunt him. And I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought, I think that was probably the most interesting part for me personally. While watching. Same. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I was like, obviously, if this happened in real life, yeah, that's scary as shit, but, like, even, like, in the scenes where his friend's coming back and he's talking to his corpse, I'm like, 
the friend's funny as hell like damn yeah. the show <laughs> like, give him a movie yeah actually i love that actor that actor is in martin scorsese's after hours which is one of my favorite movies and i i again i didn't know who turned and when it was the other dude that turned i was like oh fuck <laughs> I the other guy to be the werewolf yeah like that was like yeah hands down just the best part and then the way he was just like decaying throughout the movie i was just like this is so cool yeah um, yeah again this is where i feel like the werewolf is the least interesting part of this film no for real i think the most interesting werewolf part or aspect of the movie would be the scene where he turns for the first time oh yeah which is like the iconic scene yeah and it was like long and like drawn out so like i was watching it and i'm like I, this is obvious obviously fake but i'm watching it thinking like damn that looks kind of painful <laughs> and they yeah, did like yeah. a great job with that but as like other than that like it didn't really feel like a werewolf movie and it was just like random like he's living at the house with the, the nurse he met at the hospital which let, let's talk about that though actually <laughs> i and now that you mentioned that i had i was like because then this whole thing the, the thing that begins to be introduced um here and i'm sure that it was introduced in other films but for me it began like in the eight it, for, for this film and then it sort of echoed in, in bad moon is the fact that oh you need to be killed by someone that you love and he has a nurse and what he's it's i know that he's in the hospital for three weeks but by the time he wakes up and by the time that he moves into her apartment which again i feel like only a man could have written this um she's like yeah you know just just stay with me um and then uh that's like a week maybe i feel like it's shorter and then it, it, he says i love you on like the second day and then on like the third day she says she loves him and i'm like girl <laughs> what's here it was very weird i'm like this would never happen in real life or if it was just like someone who's not a man writing this script like that just wouldn't be period period <laughs> period and i'm also have you ever seen hitchcock's the birds i have yeah okay oh my god so i it's been a while since i've seen it i'm re-watching it now for something and i don't know if you remember but the whole premise of that movie is like this dude walks into the bird shop um because the woman uh like broke his window once of course it's crazy coincidence right mm -hmm. um and she manages to track his information and they're like and, and she brings him birds um but he's gone for the weekend he's gone 60 miles um up to the coast for the weekend and she's like okay i'll drive 60 miles to deliver these birds to him to someone and i'm like only a man no woman <laughs> back then would drive 60 miles for someone that had like this antagonistic like he was rude to her he and, and it, yeah um anyway but that's how i felt with american world in london too i was <laughs> just like um which is why it, it became like i feel like more than any of the other films like you said i felt like a very sure way about each of them but American Werewolf in London is just like very complicated because there are so many scenes that I really liked most particularly like the the the, the decaying scenes the the scenes between this friendship is also kind of like really beautiful and then that's ripped away and I don't feel like the film can stand on that on the uh main dude's performance on its own and then with these other romantic elements around him it just like it did not work for me at all 
I was like, why is there like a five minute sex scene going on? Oh my God, so <laughs> awful. So awful. Yeah, no, totally. Um, But yeah, I guess like, I, I don't... I mean, one thing that I do know as like background information is that John Landis says that uh, he got this the idea of the inspir- of, of the script watching um, sacred funeral rites when he was in in Europe and he was I think he said Yugoslavia and he thought that it was just absurd like what would happen if someone that's rational and American like him of course <laughs> um, had to go through this you know superstitious um, transformation and i was like okay <laughs> all right john landis I don't, cool. I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not sure if the film answers that at any point <laughs> I, I don't think so or at least i don't see it you know right need, like a man to explain it to me <laughs> <laughs> we need john landis oh actually um, max landis his uh rapist uh son was supposed Max Landis. Yeah, he he's legit like he got um he got this whole profile up written up on all his all of his sex crimes. Um but he was supposed to do a remake of it, but then the profile came out and it was nixed. Um but I just again, this is one of those films where I really I really 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 wanted to like it. I was like, okay, it can be even a little bit racist. Like like I'll I'll take this much 80s racism. It's like when I watch Gremlins, I'm like, okay, it's going to be a little bit racist, but Gremlins <laughs> is pretty okay otherwise. Um, but it was just like one of these things where I was just, it was just, as you said, just cherry picking these moments. But otherwise, like, I feel like he knew he was, because. I mean, there's even that interesting, uh, the, the interesting plot development that like everyone is telling him what he has to do and he knows it but doesn't want to do it and but he would rather be committed or like he would rather be in jail i don't right yeah i don't think he even knew what he wanted (laughs) totally yeah yeah i totally don't think so because even though it was like you said it was like in order for a werewolf to like fully die like someone they love has to kill them which i hate this by the way someone they love has to kill this is the worst um development of this trope i don't like it at all I think that's like weird. Like, I don't understand like the explanation or the thought process behind that. But even before the end of the movie, his dead friend's talking about you have to kill yourself. Yeah. And so I don't know. It was just kind of like confusing. Like take Uh, responsibility, I guess. Like, (laughs) like, you know, take responsibility for what happened. But um, but I guess that's also like another problem that I have with werewolf movies. They seem very victim blamey. Yeah. Um, and uh, and, out, and again, this is like not something that I realized. I didn't realize that they always have to die. I guess I was um, brainwashed by Harry Potter where I'm like, oh, no, they just go away to the screaming shack for <laughs> a week. Um, you don't have to die. But like in all of these, it's like, no, it's imperative that you die. Let me kill no, in the definitely. most way possible. Like all these, well, not all of them, but like the first few, like up until American Werewolf, like they all end in tragedy. Like they all just end up dying. Like yeah. this is the only way to go. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, but you know, the, the, you know, whenever we think about films in the 80s, especially because I, I'm a huge 80, like I would watch any film from the 80s and probably like it, which again, which is why I'm so angry. I didn't love an American Werewolf in London. I was <laughs> like, 
I mean, I should have known because John Landis is literally a murderer, but um, I even liked the film that he murdered in. You know that, right? I, you know that I don't know anything about John oh, Landis. Okay. I just know oh. he's directly coming to America and Blues Brothers. And that was it. <laughs> oh, no. What happened is there's a segment, and I think it was actually cut out of the film, and John Landis was directing the segment, and it had to do with like war. And there was a helicopter that had to transport a couple of children actors to, it was like a shot, like a helicopter shot or whatever on an island. John Landis was already over the child labor laws. Actually, child labor laws changed in Hollywood because of this incident. It was like the 14th hour. Everyone was really tired. The helicopter had been having technical issues all day. And on one take, it it crashed and it decapitated all the children. And John Landis never, like, like he has like infamously been like, oh, it's not my fault. You know, like there should have been more, like, like, yeah, and it was a real big douchebag about it. Um, oh, yeah. the world has changed because of you. What do you mean? I, I'm so sorry, but um, no, I'm not sorry. But, but yeah, so an American werewolf in London um, and John Landis, complicated, uh-huh. <laughs> very, very complicated. But actually, um. One thing that sort of began, even though I, I wouldn't say it begins with American Werewolf in London, but I think it becomes more pronounced, particularly because, you know, the 80s, this like hyper-masculine, like, oh, I'm becoming the beast within sort of thing. But it really gets like picked up with Bad Moon. Bad Moon was like, I wouldn't say it was good, but <laughs> it was like one of these things where I was like, I think this movie is slightly misinterest and I think I like it for that. (laughs) No, this one was definitely interesting. Like I can't, I don't know. It's not, like you said, not necessarily good. I think what really got me was the element with the, with the dog. I watched these uh, movies actually with my partner and they were saying just like the, you know, animal psychology aspect. Yeah, no, for real, for Mm. real. It made me want to watch. I mean, I will say this. Um, (laughs) This is this is you're gonna laugh at me, but um, for all of these films, I was like, should I? Does the dog die? This, but I was like, I mean, I I guess the werewolf does die, so like it doesn't mean anything. But this was the one film where I was like really anxious. I was like, this dog. Better not die. It's a good thing. He's protecting the family. He's protecting this uh, crazy mom and her child. Also, MVP to the child, who was like, why are you calling animal control on, like, our dog that was clearly, you know, like, our uncle is weird. Your brother is weird. He's in an Airstream and doesn't, like, talk with us, really, or hang out. Like, weirdness. No, the mom um, is dumb as hell. Like, <laughs> oh my god, I know. Yeah. Like, in like what world? Like, I I do understand. Like, dogs are like you know very strong. Um, but I don't know if you see like people getting ripped up like that. Like, I don't think yeah. it would be like my dog who lives with me in my house. I don't know. That just seems like yeah, uh. yeah, yeah. Um, this is another one where I'm like maybe written I mean it was definitely directed and written by a man but I was like hmm the characterization is a little weird because we get this like badass opening scene with a flopsy which by the way I forgot that that was like a thing 
until mm-hmm. I was like, all right, flopsies. Um, and clearly that was just a scene to establish her as like this matriarch, right? Which I think it did that successfully. But yeah. then she's like completely oblivious to this very, to her brother's very deep weirdness, um, which her brother is just like a scumbag, even from the beginning. We, we actually open up with the, with the transformation scene where, um, which by the way, actually, sorry, I know my mind's going off in all cylinders right now, but this film, I was like, oh, this seems like a family film. Um, like when I saw the cover and then it opens with like this really explicit sex scene. Mary, this is like, like I, titties I everywhere. <laughs> yeah. It. It's just like, I think, I don't know, in my opinion, I don't think it's like a sex scene is ever going to be really that necessary. I am of that opinion too. And it's weird because like in, in a lot of the film culture circles that I run in, there's been like this, especially from women being like, oh no, we need good sex on screen. And I'm just like, I'm sorry. I'm not, I, I don't, I'm never going to be the person that's like, I, I will say I have seen well done sex scenes, but I don't ever like I'm watching a movie and I'm like, oh yeah, ready for the sex. Actually, um, <laughs> That's that's a big issue that I had with the Fear Street trilogy. I know everyone and their mother love that, especially, you know, the lesbians. And obviously I have to represent with the lesbians. But I was like, you you crazy lesbians are crazy. I don't want to see teenage sex scenes. I'm sorry. They look 12. It's weird. It's pervy. It's just like, let's just call it what it is. It's the, it feels yeah. like you child porn. And it, it I was going to about it the other night, specifically about like euphoria. And I'm just like, <laughs> I was going to say euphoria. Yeah, that's why with euphoria, I'm like, I mean, I know that they're older, but they don't, I mean, like, they're not supposed to be older. There's actually this um, clip going around now. And again, it's probably because I follow all of the lesbian accounts on Instagram, <laughs> but it's the one with Alexa Demi and like with her much older boss and she, and, and it's a woman and she's unzipping her dress and the lesbians are like, yes. And I'm like, isn't no, she supposed to be weird. 16? It's weird. Weird. Someone said, um, I think it was like on TikTok. They were like, I feel like this time and this show is revealing more about y'all than y'all think it is a lot though I have I mean this could turn into a euphoria rant and like I really try to be understanding I'm like I know that I'm not you know I'm not Gen Z you know I'm not and um and even like certain cultural trends for the youth I understand so much more than any of the cultural trends that uh, I always forget you're how, how old are you Jess I'm 23 <laughs> oh okay so actually so like um there are some cultural trends that I went through, like, say, 10 years ago when I was your age um, that, uh, like, I just never connected with, that I connect more with, like, Gen Z on and, and things like that. But um, Euphoria is just one of these things where I'm like, I mean, it's not even, it's written by white men. It's produced by, like, you know, fucking Drake, who already has, like, this very, like, complicated history of being creepy with underage girls. Um yeah and the future yeah (laughs) oh my god no yeah and it's just like i i y'all don't realize like sure yeah there's representation with people like you know like barbara ferreira and hunter schaefer and that and that shit's cool but y'all don't realize that like that this is pink capitalism like this is where it goes to um you know like it you're, you're not being um empowered through these representations these are exploitative and I even heard a a rumor and again this is just something that I saw in passing so 
do not say that this is true, but I heard a rumor that Barbie Ferreira actually got into it with the creators over where her character is going. And so she decided like not to promote the show or something. And I'm like, that's the shit that you need to pay attention to though, because fuck the writers, fuck the creators. If anything, we need to pay attention to the situations that actors feel like they're put in. And it's clear that there's already discomfort with a lot of these actors and the things that they do. No, for real. And I think, I don't even think there's a writer's room. I'm pretty sure the creator is the only dude writing it. So Shut it's the a, fuck up. I didn't know that, really? Yeah. So it was like a middle-aged white man. Um, yeah. Oh, and my God. I, I remember a few years ago, there was a movie that came out called Assassination Nation. Oh, yeah. Motherfucker. Yeah. Did it's you do the that same one? director. And he yeah. Wrote it too. So yeah. I'm like, this is, this is a pattern. In- it's a pattern. <laughs> yeah, no. It, it's, it's, it's very weird. Um, Yeah. I'm so glad that you said that. Anyway, so, um, but, I, okay. <laughs> I guess going back to Bad Moon. Yeah, that titty scene, just like, and, and shit, I love titties, but that was not, like, it was just not there. And and also, like, again, we set up the fact that American Werewolf in London, makeup badass. Oh my God, the makeup in this film. <laughs> I think I would rather have the Werewolf of Washington because at least that was, like, somewhat funny. But, like, this one was, like, it was so bizarre. It was like one of those movies where it's like, it's bad, but it's not like bad enough or not, should I say Dang, that? Like it's no, bad, no. But it's just bad. It's not like funny bad. It's just like, it looks cheap and it looks like, and, and clearly they wanted to focus. There's so much focus on like, um, like wolf heads and, and attacks. And again, I'm like, this either the reaction isn't severe enough or this doesn't look as like again they throw the dog into the ceiling and then the dog's okay and i'm like make it make sense (laughs) like what's good here um so so yeah so so that was like one thing that already threw me off because then actually though yo if you take out that opening scene the rest of the film does play like a family film no like and i'm like (laughs) how did they market this film i really want to know yeah, I didn't even, I, that's, I'm going to probably start doing that from now on. Just like look up trailers after the fact. <laughs> oh yeah. Sometimes I, yeah, no, that, that's, that's really funny. Yeah. And, and the person that directed it and, and wrote the screenplay as well, Eric Red. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as you said, this was a film where like, it made me want more dogs and werewolf movies, but not if they're going to die. <laughs> right. And it would make sense if there's like, werewolf movies for it to be more like, you know, centered around dogs like because like the past movies like i was a teenage werewolf there were scenes where it's like the dog knows that a person's werewolf because you know they start barking at the person um but that's really as far as it really went and i kind of like what i appreciate about bad moon was like this aspect about like seeing stuff through the perspective of the dog and i was just like that just feels like it makes sense like why is there not more of that in like the werewolf yeah genre yeah. or some genre <laughs> yeah yeah um no this this is really good um no yeah I totally agree yeah so it's like bad moon um but one thing that I will say about bad moon that I will give it is it did feel like low-key the problem was men mm-hmm. did you feel that like men and their impulses like it felt like he was being punished for being you know having affairs and and being a shithead and um and, and I do think like uh, if I was the mom, I would have had pause a lot sooner, but yeah. I was 
very relieved that there was like no oh but he's my brother sort of towards the end it was very much like a fuck you dude yeah <laughs> um and, and again like like um the 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 little kid and the dog just steal the show the dog that has nine lives that could like literally jumped out of or got thrown out of a two floor window and was like i'm gonna go chase this motherfucker through the woods after the fact the only two characters with sense yeah no totally so, i also um, noticed oh sorry go ahead no 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 go um i also noticed in bad moon that it was kind of like what was his uncle ted like at first he's like at the beginning like oh like this is terrible i need to like stay away from people and what oh, right but then like later on like he's like leading more into like the like primal things yeah. i guess where like then yeah. he marks his territory on the dog house i was like what the <laughs> yeah no totally but um no that's a really great point that at first he's like seems like he wants to be responsible with it but at the same time like the whole reason why he got attacked was because he was having like an affair or whatever so like he's clearly a pig or whatever the fuck or a werewolf whatever um but then like his his resolution is no let me go to my sister even though he says that it was because of family love so this is where we get the idea of like oh family love is gonna cure me which again where did this come from <laughs> where did this love cures werewolves like it's not a thing <laughs> yeah like from the like also like from some of the research i've been like trying to do about werewolves like i have not read anything like that so yeah. i don't know about, like is that like a a legit thing that's like in werewolf I, I, I gotta say no and and honestly and in the book it's not really like mentioned like when when bad moon is mentioned when american werewolf in london is mentioned it's all about the masculinity which i can see mm -hmm. but um, and then again, this is like where I say, like, I, I watch these movies now and I'm like, why aren't we talking about this really random <laughs> offshoot into love is going to save us all? Because I feel like that has something to do with it, too. Yeah. And like, I'm all for like, you know, people, you know, making up their own thing and like expanding on the world and whatnot. But I just think the power of love is a little corny. <laughs> I mean, and, and it's also just like, I don't. It, like it, it's never seen through and it seems like such I mean if anything it feels like the power of love is then cheapened by having it as being like such like this narrative thing especially in like an American werewolf in London with these 24 hour one night stands that turn into love like I'm sorry it's not happening um uh so I guess to like begin to circle up and I guess wrap up let's talk about our lady werewolves now I will say this there had definitely been lady werewolves in the eras that we spoke about. Um, especially lady werewolves tend to be coded with like lesbianism and things like that. But I, I feel like it's not until the 21st century that we actually get feminist um, versions of this, which we watched uh, When Animals Dream, which is from Denmark. And we watched Bloodthirsty, which is from Canada. And I got to say, I didn't like either of these films. I especially really, I probably hated Bloodthirsty the most. Like, I think I would rather watch Werewolf of Washington than Bloodthirsty oh ever again. Um, mainly because, holy shit, the music in Bloodthirsty is so awful. But um, the, yeah, the, um, but, but I will say that 
it did feel like these last two films were feminist takes, even though When Animals Dream was um, written by a man, it definitely did feel like a feminist uh, reclamation of the myth. So what did you think of these two films? Like, did you feel like an awe moment or were you like let down? A little let down. (laughs) Like, I'm thinking, I don't know, not that because it's more recent films that they're necessarily going to be good, but... um, (laughs) It was just like, okay, well, these are like, you know, small, like indie looking movies. The main characters are women. Like maybe you're going to see like a different direction that's being taken that I'm going to like more than everything else. And I I didn't get that. Um, Yeah, at all. Especially like like, when I was watching uh, When Animals Dream, like I was like kind of thinking of, it feels like a bad version of kind of like let the right one in, but they added werewolves. For real. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like the, the only thing that I thought was interesting and I wish would have actually been explored more with when animals dream, which by the way, and when animals dream, we're not ever explicitly, like it's never explicitly said it's a werewolf, right? Um, Um, no, no. Yeah. And so like, uh, so obviously it is a werewolf and whatnot, but like the werewolf gene is, uh, genetic there's actually seems to be like this archaic mother monstrous feminine like um the objection is passed on through your mother um uh thing which I was like okay that's interesting mm-hmm. um and you know there there does seem to be like this tension of men trying to control the condition and you know the mother eventually dies and that's what sort of sets everything off for this woman and so far in in the films that we've seen uh i i would say that werewolfism is viewed as like a disease and this is sort of like the first film where it's like no it's a reclamation she doesn't need to die um but all that being said as you said it, it did not feel like more interesting ground was covered otherwise like yeah the 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 little the um the traits changed, the lore changed a little bit, but it still felt like so, um, so boring yeah. almost. And not even because it's a slow burn, but it's like, this is really the most interesting way that you could tell the story. Like you have this female uh, geneticism that you're bringing forth and you're only obsessed with the sexuality of this woman. Right. I don't know, it felt like off for me. Mm. And same sort of like with Bloodthirsty. And, and I really wanted to like bloodthirsty I was like oh she's gay oh I I low-key kind of like this idea of the music industry as like a creature whatnot but again the sexuality of it just seemed like so weird and and like completely like superficial yeah I almost felt like with bloodthirsty too um what was what was his name the producer that she was oh my god i know i know throughout it i was like there's it feels like this weird thing where i'm like he's going to like assault her or something or some some bad shit's gonna happen but then it was like then she started talking about like oh i'm an orphan i'm like that's your dad ain't it (laughs) and i totally called it but like even throughout that movie i it felt really weird like he was looking at like just he was giving predator very much so and I was very much on edge the whole time because I thought I really thought he was gonna hurt her or something yeah yeah Um, and and it's also um 
oh, bloodthirsty. I'm just so mad at it. Um, especially because this is the only one directed by a woman. Um, and obviously we know that um, it's not like queer authors, women authors, non-binary authors. We're all human. We, we all don't automatically make great shit and poop it out, right? So it's not like um, I necessarily expected this one to be the best one but I guess I did expect more responsibility with the story and as you said it's like I thought that the metaphor was going to be very specific sort of a, like about this industry and also if she's a pop star this is the most budget ass pop star I've ever I was like I and I hate as someone that like genuinely likes pop music I always hate when there are like um faux pop narratives that don't go for it like you're in a movie and you want a pop star make her larger than like that's what pop stars do otherwise you're just like making this coffee singer songwriter movie and being like yeah she's a pop star though yeah like no no disrespect or shade to the actress but I did think that I was like okay she's supposed to be an artist but you're not you don't look like one Uh, oh I'm sorry but like casting is casting and then um and then yeah I, I know Canada is a bit like more liberal or whatever so to speak than America but it also was just like this weird thing where there were like so many caveats to her personality that I was like wait she, she's a pop star but she's like a, a, she's a lesbian and that's like an afterthought like obviously like that in a perfect world that would be the afterthought but in the film world and in reality it's not the afterthought and then like it also felt like so through I mean and and eventually what I feel like the film is actually more interested in, in exploring is like female rage and and things like that and of course that's definitely like um valid so to speak but I also think it was the least interesting place that the story could have gone you have all these other things like her girlfriend was disposable um it, it was more like she was almost like becoming the person that she wanted her dad that that her dad wanted her to be and I'm just like that is the last place I wanted this to end yeah I don't know I felt like there was a lot there that like could have been really great when you read the script like I really liked the backdrop of like excuse me the backdrop of like you know her being like this pop star and yeah industry and you know what the music industry is known as like you know just like this very like weird shady evil ass like industry and so I was like you could have like done a critique about that through like this werewolf lore and then also explore like her queerness yes exactly that's what I wanted out of this movie I was like I want a takedown of the music industry because clearly the werewolf metaphor is supposed to be preying on you know the the um the vulnerability of of young female artists especially and then but the fact that she's queer um is going to be explored through this relationship and perhaps this really this is like the one movie where I was like okay I could see how like love could be like the saving grace here but it really was just like no she's gonna become a monster she's gonna become a product of the industry and it's like girl you just told the most boring heterosexist (laughs) version of the story like if I didn't know that you were a woman I would say a man directed this um and uh and I'm pretty sure the director also isn't queer and I'm like it shows yeah it was just kind of like oh like I'm not queer but like you know representation so I just wanted to add it to you for real (laughs) drives me crazy especially like I would I want to say like post 2015 of like just these 
queer characters being littered throughout horror and I'm like okay but it's clear that a queer person didn't like or even sometimes it is queer authors or you know I can't think of a of a of an example of a queer author doing this now so I'm not going to drag them into this but it's so often like oh yeah and she's gay I especially feel this um you know what I feel this with I feel like they're in this is actually I, I feel like more of a Canada um trend of these survivalist lesbian couple films um I can't think of one off the top of my head, but there have been a couple that I've seen over the last like five years or so where it's like, yeah, it's a survivalist lesbian couple, but one of them wants to kill the other one and they're in the woods. And but it feels just so straight. It feels so straight the entire time. I'm like, it's clear that you wrote this with a man and woman. Then you're like, no, I'm going to make it two women. Aren't I subversive? And it's like, no, not really, because I could like clearly tell which one was supposed to be the man and which one was supposed to be the woman. It's like with damn, not even just like horror movies, just movies in general. I'm like, why do y'all like to see lesbians in pain all the time? I promise yeah, you, could be happy. <laughs> I know it's so boring. It's so I, I have this. I've been prepping actually, literally all day, um, for the talk I'm going to be giving in Berlin on queer horror, and um, and it's and and like one thing that I say is that it's like, let's actually embrace the word queer though. Like, 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 like queer does not mean like woman, woman, man, man, you know, especially when we talk about queer horse, especially very um, homonormative in the sense that it's like straight, why I'm straight. Um, <laughs> it is cisgender, um, gay men for the most part. Um, and then maybe what I see more often is like woman, woman stuff. And it's like, yo, but queer means so many things. You know, it's not a binary, right? And queer in and of itself, means a transgression like that's what that word means so like why do we have to repeat the same stories that have been told over and over which is what bloodthirsty feels like except mm -hmm. oh i'm gonna gender swap it mm -hmm. i can tell when shit is gender swapped it's not queer it's just you're repeating the same quotes you're just changing the personality or whatever the fuck um yeah and that's what just these two films felt like for me like okay i could see how they're more feminist obviously um but at the end of the day I actually don't feel like they're more feminist I feel mm -hmm. like it re it retreads ground and um and even a film like Good Manners uh which I think uh, which I I do like I do like Good Manners but there comes a point I think like three quarters through the film as as, as it begins to um shift into the woman taking raising the son where I'm like this just got so heterosexist and so racist too like like yeah. the film feels like it's challenging these colonial notions in Brazil of and and you know the agency of the black woman in that film but then towards the end it's like no I gotta raise my white werewolf ex-girlfriend son or whatever the fuck and it's like it's it takes a nosedive like I'm I get so bored yeah now damn I'm sorry I went off <laughs> I've only watched Good Manners like one time um, and I, I liked it, but I don't know. I was just like, oh, this feels different. And then she started like raising the sun and I don't know something about it after like could never Switch. really put my finger on it. It was just kind of like, all right. It's <laughs> no, and again, it's like it, it repeats, especially like um, and, and I'm actually writing a chapter now um, a little bit on Good Manners. And it really is just this thing where it's like it's challenging racial politics up until the point that, oh, OK, so she's um, she's assimilating for the sun. And it's like, no, I, I want this to be an Afro feminist film. You know, it should have been an Afro feminist film. Like, why do we need to, again, prioritize the whiteness in, in this narrative again? 
Was the um, director or writer, were any of them like white. Afro? Okay. No, no, there no, you no, go. no, no, no. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and not, and not, and not, and, uh, and, uh, straight as well. Um, so, so, so yeah. Um, I, like, first off, I just want to say thank you so much for making me go on this thought experiment because I, I literally never would want to necessarily go through it but it was really exciting um when you came to me and you were like yeah maybe werewolves and I was like fuck it why not why not werewolves you know Mm -hmm. and um and I feel like I can be a bit more of an educated hater now no I'm kidding Mm -hmm. (laughs) it just it it makes me just want more for the genre you know no same same I think because you know when we talk about like monster movies or like horrors I feel like the focus is always on like vampires or witches I mean they're both cool but um I'm like I there's other like mythical like creatures and monsters that like we can you know explore that I don't think we've explored enough like yeah and I feel I mean vampires witches cool like you could continue to like explore that world but I'm like there's so much other things that we can do that I feel like we haven't seen oh yeah oh yeah um I know that you're really excited for Manny and I just saw it yesterday and it was one of those um I mean it was exactly what I wanted it to be and what I expected it to be but it also just made me realize like people don't understand that horror pretty much hasn't been like scratched because um, there's so many unique voices and so many unique lores globally mm-hmm. that just because um, film economies and things like that just don't get their don't get their shine and um, and what I what I always hope more for Western filmmakers because like it or not you know we we have like like the privilege of being or you know the privilege of being in America and when I'm trying to survive as we do with our identities in America um, is to like really embrace our voices and our cultures and 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 our blend because that is a beautiful blend that we have especially as third culture kids um which I definitely identify as a third culture kid being raised um half in Puerto Rico and half over here um and uh and that's and and you know Nikki Atu definitely we, we spoke about that on the pod when she came on and, and you could just see it in Nanny it's just so beautiful and um and, and, and I guess that's just what I, I also want to hope for other filmmakers as well as like, even if you're not like, you don't have to necessarily be like this, like, it's fine if you're straight and white or whatever the fuck, but like actually embrace the difference around you then like, why repeat the same shit like these, that that's one thing that really, that I really saw throughout these films is like so much repetition that when they think that they're doing something different they're really not and it's just like just take the time and really see through like what happens if you could get cured of werewolfism or what happens if um you actually went in a queer direction with this um I'm gonna keep it a buck though like I I just don't think those people like have the imagination or the range to write those types of films I mean if you're like a binary like you're probably gonna think like that more or less so no yeah 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 yeah, maybe a little bit of a hot take for some but I mean no it's not a hot take at all no it's not no that's literally what I say though um not to keep talking about my talk but it's like um I think especially like non-queer, non-hegemonic, or, or sorry, non-queer and hegemonic authors like, you know, straight, cisgender uh, filmmakers, they need to collaborate with, you know, like, and actually collaborate with, yeah. with folks, um, not be like, okay, I'm casting you, be like, no, take a look at my script, 
you know, no, what do you feel about your character? Because that's the only way that movies go in different places. Otherwise, it's just, you know, as we said, like plucking people in, putting in whoever fits into the, under that identity and then being like, okay, play the same roles, but now we're, we're hip now. That's just pink capitalism. It's, mm-hmm. just, it's just capitalism and neoliberalism, especially, um, which I, I hate seeing and films. And I feel like especially the crop of film or, or feel, I, I really feel like werewolves overall, it, it's such like a neoliberal trope. I feel that way about zombies too, for the most part as well. Like, like zombies just feel like a very conservative neoliberal trope um and rarely do i feel like people actually push the boundaries of you know the lore of these of these of these things you can change the lore you can be experimental with it but when you just repeat the same shit it's like okay you're you're pretty much doing the same things that's been done over and over um horror is supposed to be the the transgressive cinema right so actually transgress boundaries once boundaries have been set and you're not pushing them you're just doing the same shit over and over. So. No, for real. And I, I understand, like, you know, going back to, like, lore for reference and whatnot. But, like, at the same time, like, it's still lore is not necessarily factual. Um, exactly. Fuck. <laughs> it's fiction, man. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, no, you know, and, and, and it almost goes, like, both ways. Because I feel like one problem that I have now also is that people realize oh we can make the social justice horror and it's like yeah but the only war you like like um i personally hate films where i'm like oh okay see the monster is racism i get it where it's just like it's so obvious um where it's like no embrace genre embrace symbolism like so much excitement can happen with that um and also like even pushing like like the like the um the, the series that you're talking about, it seems like it's being very playful with genre in and of itself. Like this could be a comedy, but with genre tools. And I think that that's super exciting. Like, like use these tools of genre. That's why they're there. Like you don't have to tell this, like you can have all these things happening at once, just as long as it's authentic to whatever yeah. you want to say and 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 whatever realities um that exists both with with all of your collaborators film isn't made by one person in a vacuum right and um and I feel like people just truly need to embrace more collaboration to really get um you know things off the ground so your final thoughts on these like like what how do you feel about werewolves now um I feel like you know, I definitely know a lot more about werewolves than I did before this. Um, but I'm gonna be honest, I don't think I could really pick any of these movies and say that I necessarily like necessarily liked them. Same. Um, I think there's stuff in within each movie that I liked. Like I would like to totally. see, like hopefully in the future, if people explore werewolves more, I would like to see more stuff about like animal psychology aspect that we saw within like Bad Moon yeah that'd be cool um the transformation scene in american werewolf iconic i would like to see people play around more with like you know special effects makeup and all that because like i was like like that was almost 40 years ago and that was still the best information hands down yeah and and actually that's also something i wanted to mention like there it seems especially now it's so cgi heavy and it's like 
yo, like you can play around with what werewolves could look like. Like this is a really bad example, especially because I wasn't the biggest fan of the movie, but the new VHS had this segment on a creature called Ratma. Oh my god! I I I know I posted the picture on my Instagram, but um, but it's clear that it was a, a costume created for the film, and so it's all like um, it's all uh uh oh practical practical effects, and I'm like, y'all can make really cool practical effects still. Like you don't have to be giving everyone green eyes, you know. I mean, it's fine if that's what you want to do, but like shit, you can really be creative with um, creature design, even playing around with both practical and CGI. Um, and like you don't really have to rely on the CGI too much either. You like, don't. You can, like, use a little here and there to like tweak. Things. American Werewolf in London is entirely, entirely practical. That's impressive. So, um, so yeah, no, that's also something that I, I hadn't, like, I, I just don't really understand about werewolf films. Like, why do they all more or less look the same? Like, no, not, not even all wolves look the same, you know? Yeah. Um, so technically yeah. there's like five different forms of werewolves too. Um, I go. had asked, um, my friend, um and he said there's like five different types it was like one called feral human i think i have it over here yeah so Look there's like you. one called feral human which is okay. like when you're freshly bit um okay. so inexperienced werewolf then you have wolfman so it's like hairy but you're not necessarily in the full form yeah you got the lichen which is like still kind of like that wolfman like hairy person but more wolf like and then yeah. you have um the werewolf which is like the full form but the lichen is like more like okay now you're growing a snout yeah you know more the wolf qualities and then there's one called canis i don't know if i'm saying that right but that that's just right. like when you're like just you know master like you can perfectly like control both parts human and werewolf um there's Look at you. i didn't I mean, know that. <laughs> i did not know that um one thing that I will say is that this uh, whole venture made me very not excited for the new Wolfman. Ryan Gosling is going to be the new Wolfman. And I'm like, I don't need to see Ryan Gosling as new Wolfman. <laughs> I, is it just because he's Ryan Gosling? I don't like Ryan Gosling. <laughs> it's just really fucking weird. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I outgrew a long time ago, like these white icons. <laughs> oh, yeah, like everybody I was told to like, especially when I was like, going to school for film production like every actor or filmmaker I've been told to like I'm like it's just some white dude maybe we should stop letting white boys go into film school maybe that's what needs to happen <laughs> you tell them motherfucker I was always the one that was like I don't give a fuck about Wes Anderson I don't give a fuck about Paul Thomas if there's an Anderson in the name I don't give a fuck about it um <laughs> actually you no know, uh this is and 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 I promise I'll stop like being too um Tangany, and and I'll let you go on with your night. But um, uh, I I'm watching White Lotus right now, and holy fuck, I hate it. And as I'm watching it, I'm like, how the fuck? Because like everyone loved this show, and I actually worked at a resort, like like in, in back in back in Florida, and, and I also um grew up on a beach uh, on a, in a beach town in Puerto Rico where the main um employer was the resort which my dad worked at and I'm like and, and I'm literally like on the fifth episode and this there's only six episodes and I keep waiting and I keep waiting and I'm like do people just like think that it's funny 
to to laugh at these absurd resort situations without realizing that like yo it, it really is like a thing but but it's okay because it's a satire and it's like yo but it's a satire made by the very people that go to these resorts like i don't feel exactly. solidarity from this motherfucker just because he decided to make a fuck ton of money off of it on hbo so other middle class uh because it's a it's a class issue i think it's not even like a race issue because i'd be seeing you know like and, and people from all different types of identities be like white lotus white lotus and it's like yeah i feel like people don't think through the authorship and the intention and, and they'll just be told oh, it's a satire so oh okay it's not serious so it's like whatever and it's like I would rather see someone of a different persuasion try and make some sort like maybe someone that actually worked this job that can now transition into filmmaking rather than thinking of whatever this white man thinks that you know, like, oh, this is funny because they're because everyone is terrible. That is the joke. And it's like, I'm so tired of that being the joke. That's why I can't relate to succession or any shit like that. I'm like, I'm tired of watching media that already tells me that it's fucking horrible. I know it's fucking horrible. I don't need your white ass to tell me that. And I don't want to watch white people being horrible for it. Like, fuck. Like, there's no critique or anything. It's just literally. And I remember when White Lotus came out and I was like watching it. And then, you know, like when you watch an HBO show and then it'll have like the creator at the end talking about their show. And he was just like, oh, yeah, it's just like a satire, like critique about like, you know, wealthy white people. And it's like, but where's the critique? Because it's where just is it? <laughs> Because it's like, we're just watching the people like be shitty, you know, every that's episode. It. And then that's it's like, it. people go onto Twitter and they're like, oh my God, you saw them being terrible. LOL, that's so funny. But I was like, there's still no, like, you there's didn't no do pain. anything. Oh my God, I don't know. It's like, oh, but, but don't you realize they're supposed to be terrible? And it's like, who is gaining something from this? I can tell you it's not Mac White. I can tell you he feels very comfortable being like, oh, isn't this clever? Motherfucker, you've never worked a resort like that. Shit, like, shut the fuck down. And also, like, there was, like, some aspects of the show where I'm like, yo, if this was, like, a real resort, the resort employees are the drug dealers. So, like, they wouldn't be, like, like, like get your research right first. <laughs> um, but, you know, he didn't care because he was like, oh, the staff are angels and this and then it's just, like, it's so dumb. And who is this for? It's not being made. It's being made for the very people that you're critiquing, you motherfucker. Um, I really see this becoming a thing and I see it happening now where it's like shows like White Lotus and even like you said, Succession, because I've been watching that and I'm kind of getting. Girl, I, I, can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Succession is one where I'm like, I'm not crossing it because um, I mean, I have no. Yeah, I, I just like again I just I don't want to I like I would rather I want to see content from other people man and people think and and here's the thing though like I literally like almost everyone I know loves these shows right and it's just like I, I really try not to shame them because I I have a lot of respect for my friends or whatever but it's also like I hope you guys realize though that your viewership matters because it's the shit that then HBO or whoever the fuck wants to make again. Like your viewership for Euphoria matters because they're going to give Sam Levinson another fucking show. It, you know, like it, it's a cycle that perpetuates. But if you actually ask or if you actually support the, the creators and honestly, Jazz, that's why I was so excited to get you on the show, because it's like, um, 
yo, like, this is where I want to see, like, the future of storytelling go. I don't want to put another fucking, you know, like, white filmmaker on here to tell me about their new, like, horror show. Like, I don't, like, cool. You'll get some people paying attention to that. But um, I think we need to really become more intentional about where we put our attention. Because especially now we live in an attention economy, right? Where, yeah, we're not paying for fucking Instagram. We're not paying for Twitter, but we're paying with it with our attention and the shit that we talk about and the shit that we promote. That's how they make their money. It's a fucking information economy now. And um, and yeah, I mean, like, I didn't mean to go off there. But, um, no, you're good. But, but it's exactly what you say. Yeah. It's like becoming a thing and it's going to be even more noticeable, I feel like, in like the future where it's like we're going to have more films and TV shows coming out where it's like about white people and how terrible they are. And then we're all going to go watch the movie and it's going to be like, yeah, white people fucking suck. But then it's like no further critique other than that. Let's just no watch white people shitty and then yeah. people are going to make money off of it. Like, Period. Oh, my God. That's just it. It's just that's exactly it's so what's fucking happening. annoying. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that that's werewolves. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me, Jazz. I had a lot of fun and I hope that um, you also had fun too. I'm staring at you. <laughs> I did. Thank you so much again.